Overtime Podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports, and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, for more information. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the uh, and of the website. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, September the 24th. You're listening to this. If everything has gone according to plan, you're listening to this in the future uh, from Thursday. Um, hopefully nothing transpired on Wednesday when I took Abigail to some watchdog dad thing at school and you two knuckleheads got on planes and such in the morning. Um, so if thing, if things break after roughly nine 30 on Tuesday night, it's not our fault. Um, we're going to talk about Virginia's win over ODU. I put, I, you didn't see the air quotes, but the air quotes were there. I mean, it was, t- I mean, it's still a win, but I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, and then we will also preview, um, Virginia's matchup in South Bend, um, I'm not going. Ferber's going. He's representing the show. Dave is going. He's representing UVA fans everywhere. And apparently, there's like nine people going on this trip. So uh, let's all hope they all come back in uh, in one piece. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everyone. Up in Fishersville, the aforementioned David Spence is on the program. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Brad. Ready to uh, take the show on the road. Um, who Dave's on the board? At who Dave's on Twitter? And up in Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, still trying to figure out if South Bend is in the eastern or central time zone, but uh, hopefully I'll have that figured out by the time that Saturday rolls around. Text uh, you. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. I, forgot, I just totally stepped all over. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and at least for this one weekend, uh, couch tweets. Um, so I, I have not thought about the time zone thing, but that's actually really funny. Uh, you should not play oh, a prank. Crazy. You should not play a prank on me, though, and be like, oh, I'm not going to make the game. Because then I'm going to you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm worried about playing one on myself. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, yeah. So we fly into Central Time to Chicago, and then our house is in Indiana, like 20 miles outside of South Bend, but it's still Central Time. The the county we're in is the last county before it switches to East. But like literally, like <laughs> 10 feet down the road, it's East. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm I'm taking a an old school watch, <laughs> leaving it on Eastern time. Um, anyway, I, I don't well, want to start. I don't want to start tailgating at you know 8 a.m. Eastern instead of <laughs> instead of 9 a.m. or vice versa. Well, also like my flight back on Sunday is early in the morning from Chicago, so I have to drive back there, and right, it's not far, but it's it's like a 9 a.m. Central time. So I was like, oh cool, I'll get an extra hour of sleep. But not really, because now the house is in Central Time, even though it's like two <laughs> minutes away from Eastern Time. I, I can't figure it out. But we're going to we'll be there for everyone Eastern. and stay in Eastern Time for this three days. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Nothing says a Atlantic Coast Conference like debating the Eastern and Central Time Zones. <laughs> oh man, it's very true. Let's uh, let's get into ODU. Um, so the Cavaliers win twenty eight seventeen, down seventeen nothing. Largest comeback for them in. 17 years since they were down 21 nothing at North Carolina, um, which I'm pretty sure I was at that game. Um, Wasn't that home? It was home. It wasn't? I don't know. I've been saying that. Yeah, the Marcus Weeks touchdown. Days. Oh, okay. That's Marcus Weeks ran from All the right. cops, remember? Well, everybody else who I, who I said they were at Carolina, I, I apologize. Um, we all know I'm not good with, you know, facts. Um, all right. I, I don't – I want to start the discussion here. Um, clearly – Clearly, it was not a good – I don't want to say it wasn't a good outcome because they, they won. But for all intents and purposes, it was a rough game. And I want to, I want to focus the discussion there because I think we have, we have talked before about my whole idea about, like, the two things can be true at once, right? This is 
this is the shining city on a hill example of that, right? Is it a good thing that Virginia came back win? Of course it is. And is it a good thing for them that, you know, they were able to get punched in the mouth, steady themselves, come back and beat a team? Sure it was. But at the same time, like, never should have been there. Never should have been in that spot. Should have, you know, ducked before they got punched in the mouth. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the offense, which I'm sure we'll get to, especially when we get into the Notre Dame uh, discussion. I, but I want to start the discussion here about ODU. Um, Dave, when you left the stadium, what were your – what were some of your main takeaways and have those changed either from the, from the benefit of time or just rewatching the game? Cause you're a pro like what, where, where are you now? And, and the reason I'm trying to frame it this way is because I think it's interesting as humans, we, we react to what we see and then sometimes things sit on us and we might think differently about them. I'm curious how you've evolved over the past few days. What would it, what would a podcast on Sunday sounded like versus one, you know, here on a, on a Tuesday, what's, what, what are your, what are your general thoughts and how far have you come since the end of that game? I don't know that they've changed that much since the end of the game, to be honest with you. I just, I, there are some things I wanted to see on the rewatch, um, to kind of figure out what happened. Um, by the time the game was over, I was just happy to win. Uh, look, the, the, the start was slow, right? I mean, we all wanted Virginia to come out take care of ODU. We, I even said on the podcast last week, I was hoping we wouldn't see Bryce Perkins in the third quarter, but that didn't happen. And it, I guess it just kind of reaffirmed to me that, you know, there's probably only three or four teams in the country that can roll out and not play close to their top level and win on a weekly basis, regardless of opponent, you know, and we're not one of those and there aren't many of them. So that's okay. I mean, I, I don't want the team to come out flat, but, it's like I was, I mean, when you looked at the stands and the way people were acting in the stands and the, the attitude of fans around us, like the sit down in front guys were back, like there was a fatigue still in the fans from Saturday. So, you know, there's fatigue on the field. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to see on the rewatch. So that kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Like, I, I think there was some fatigue, but that's just human nature. But there was also a resolve. So that two, two things being true thing is true. Um, like, I mean, it, it, it was a rough start and for the team not to panic, um, and to just chip away and chip away and ODU to kind of give them a gift there at the end and for them to take advantage of it, that's progress. Now it's frustrating that they couldn't have come out and taken care of business early, but there's not many four, no teams. And there's a lot of people that haven't played the schedule Virginia has, especially including two conference games at this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll breathe, um, I'll get more into the specifics about issues that are there because there are issues um, that I think kind of not being maybe, I don't want to say the guys weren't as aggressive. They just weren't as sharp. And I think those issues became magnified when that sharpness wasn't there. What about you, Ferber? As, as the days have, uh, have gone on, have you evolved at all or do you still feel like you felt driving back home that night? Yeah, I mean, like Dave said, I mean, by the time if when, once you fall down seventeen nothing, you should be happy to just get out with a win against anybody. Um, so I, I think in that vein, you know, like Dave said, it's good that they came back and took care of business and, and ended up winning by double digits, which you know it looks nice, but anyone who watched that game knows that it didn't really play out the way that you know maybe the score indicates. Um, I would say, you know, we talk a lot about the process has to be right for the results to eventually show up. This was an example of the results showed up, but the process wasn't right. 
you know, they, at the end of the day, they won the game, but, you know, it still doesn't mean that it doesn't expose issues that are going to become problems at some point down the road. One being the offensive line, another being just like the general uh, sleepiness of the offense at times. Um, and the defense, you know, the, I think some of that stuff was ODU just scheming them up really well and, and coming off a of bye week, I think that that helps. But, you know, that's no excuse. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you can say every week, just like everybody does, it's a cliche. Um, we, you know, we're only worried about Team X this week. We only are looking at this. The other, the loss is behind us. We're not looking ahead to the next game. But that's all just words until you actually go out and execute and take care of your business. Luckily for UVA, they did that in the second half for the most part. Even though the offense kind of needed the defense to. Um, bail them out might not be the right word because they did end up with two touchdowns. But I mean, if you think about how those touchdowns came, you know, it was after ODU went for it in their own territory. UVA's first offensive touchdown was on probably like a 34 yard drive after a long kick return. So, I mean, it wasn't like the offense moved the ball at all, really consistently throughout the game. Uh, the third down conversion rate was, was really bad. Uh, throughout the game and really didn't get going until they didn't make any conversions until well into the fourth quarter. Um, so, I mean, one thing I do kind of want to take away from this and, and we'll see, like at the end of the season, we can look back and say whether or not this is correct, but I think ODU might just be better than we thought. Um, I think that could be a factor because they, they didn't play bad against tech. Um, and you know, like they're, they're breaking in a new defense. So maybe that caused some issues, but I honestly, yeah, I think that the biggest issue was just the focus. The execution wasn't there. The The offensive line, uh, we, I brought it up probably three or four times now on this podcast. It's it's not in a place where it is improved um, from year to year. It's not better than it was. Uh, you could make a case that it's worse. I don't. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the grades say. It's what we're seeing. So uh, that's stuff that needs to be worked on because it's a big step up this week. But obviously, you know, it's encouraging that they won the game because maybe in the past this could have been one that they lost just like Florida State would have been. Um, I think for me, as the days have gone on, the thing that has crystallized in my mind, and, and I don't know if folks could tell in, in, you know what I wrote both in the column and in the 3 one but like the offensive line is a concern. And I understand, like, you, you know, if Olu can't snap, maybe he can play guard. He played some snaps, we didn't play much. Ferber and I had a pretty, you know, in-depth discussion at one point because I was pretty sure I saw him out there. Um, but it was weird that he was at guard. Um yeah, and it's like we still can't, like I didn't figure it out until today. That yeah, he actually I, was playing. Yeah, he it was him. And so weird. It, yeah, but I mean, so but then the, the explanation about it, you know, being a snap in hand. But then Bronco doesn't have any updates, and then Tyler Fanning gets hurt. Like as as somebody told me earlier today, like they were already thin, you know, because of some injuries that happened in camp um, going into the start of the season. But they really need this buy at the on the offensive line, and so they're in a position now where the Leach kid played the other night and I guess they're going to try to play him again in essence because they feel like they just have to because they they need some of those um, snaps to be taken up by somebody and Frank Myers at, at center he's got to be there um, and I'm not entirely sure he's 85-90% healthy I think he's still dealing with um, the stuff he, that he was dealing with in camp so I, I look to me the offensive line it is we could we've always as we've talked about before in different preseason podcasts right the offensive line is always the focus, and it should be, and Virginia has to get to a place where it's not. As it is right now, it is 
easily the biggest question mark on this team outside of, you know, how quickly can they get Brendan Armstrong back? Because without a backup quarterback and you have a quarterback who takes hits like like Bryce took the other night, like that's a concern. The defense is good enough that they're going to be in games. Heck, they're probably going to be in this game Saturday strictly because the defense is going to make Notre Dame really work for it. But the defense is not perfect. Um, they take a lot that, you know, a lot of it is driven by getting into the backfield of an offensive line or if a, if a good scheme can kind of keep them from, from from disrupting everything, they're in trouble, right? The offense has to score points. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound the alarm because of, you know, a, a couple bad quarters and whatnot. Um, but I think the trend is there and it's until they, I don't think it'll be until they get out of the bye before we really know. Um, because then I think maybe you've got a sense of what your personnel really is. And then maybe you can get a, um, a better feel for, for what you are and what you aren't. But like what we saw in that second half against Florida state, we didn't see any of it against ODU, whether that was intentional, whether that was ODU taking it off the table. I'm not real sure. All I know is if Virginia can't be that offense, I think the Cavaliers are going to have a really tough time scoring points. And if so, that's pretty concerning. And that's, you know, that's outside of the fact that, yes, they got punched in the mouth and came back. And it's outside of the fact that, yes, they are 4-0 for the first time since 2004. Like, I get all that. That being said, there's still, you know, some significant concerns. And I think folks who have those concerns are completely well within their right to feel that way. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, to me, the offensive line was atrocious Saturday night. Um, They barely did enough to, to get the win. And look, some of that was injury. You know, you, you definitely, when you lose your center and who knows, we don't know what, what day during practice that happened. It looked like it happened Friday. <laughs> I mean, well, Bronco said it actually happened in the Florida state. Game. Yeah. In the Florida, but I don't know that. Yeah. You know, I don't know anyway. if they knew when he was going to be available. Yeah. Or so whatever. It, it obviously didn't he look still good. played. I mean, he wasn't completely unavailable. No, exactly. So, I mean, Look, I, I don't. I tried to stay away from the message boards for a couple of days because I knew there'd be a lot of like, you know, Doctor Bob's got to go kind of stuff from that game. But look, to me, and I, and I hate to be this critical, but you know, we're four years into the program now, and I think we've seen, we've seen every position on this team, then bring in recruits and develop them. We have yet to see it on the offensive line. Um, if you look at the best offensive lineman every year, it's been a grad transfer a guy who developed elsewhere and then tweaked and got fitted in here. And to me, that's a little alarming. Now, that's no shame on Dylan or, or Ryan or Chris Glazer. But you know, we haven't seen the development as a whole in the offensive line like we have at other positions on the team. Um, and four years in, that's, that's a question mark to me. The constant rotation of guys, like I know you want to – I think I mentioned this last week. Like I know you want to get guys snaps and figure out the best five – but there were plays in that ODU game. If you go back and watch them, I'll point out, uh, we'll do two. <laughs> um, the third down, right before they stopped us on the third and short, like on the eight-yard line, and then Bryce had the fourth down touchdown run. On that play, ODU was was rushing five guys. Callie was blocking one. The right tackle did not block anyone who got in on Bryce Perkins. And two offensive linemen drove one guy into the end zone. So the communication was terrible. Um, there's another play later in the game where you saw the same thing, like a guy not blocking anyone and Tanner, Tanner Cowley trying to block one-on-one against um, Keon White. That was the the second sack in a row after Bryce had gotten hurt and come back in. So to me, that's communication, and that's that's because you're flipping guys too much. Um, now, some of that's aided with Olu being out this week and him being the, the main signal caller. But to me, and I hate to keep beating this drum, but 
you got to know what the guy next to you does in situations and trust that he does it. Because I, when I watch the when I watch the film as the amateur I am, that's what I see: a guy who doesn't anticipate the guy next to him. So it, that's got to be fixed. And whether it gets fixed by Ole getting healthy or figuring out a center or just sticking with Fav and letting them work it out, to me, the offense, the offense production, and keeping number three healthy, which happens by not getting them hit and having a run game. All goes back to the offensive line. Until that's fixed, you can't critique the offensive strategy or anything else. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, I mean, like, the, the issues p- popped up big time in this ODU game, but they were there in the other games. Like, Pitt in the first half got after them, and then they made some tweaks and did a better job in the second half. Florida State, which is supposed to have a terrible defense, got after them for a while. Until eventually they got to the point where they said, all right, we're just going to throw the ball short, get the ball out quick, and neutralize it. And that worked against ODU. I guess they were just kind of on that. So I mean, and that's good. You know, kudos to them on that. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, when is it gonna get to a point where it's not the weakest link? Because it always is. And Bronco said that in the first the first practice, somebody asked him right after the first practice of camp, "What's the biggest thing that you're worried about? What is your biggest concern?" And he right. said the offensive line should be better than it is. Yeah, I think the thing for me is. Your whole offense can't just be Bryce goes out and does Bryce things. Um, Bryce is at his most uh, lethal and at his most successful when he's make when he's when he's improvising from a place where there is a sheet of music in front of him. Right, like your whole your whole plan can't just be well we're gonna run Bryce and he's gonna do some Bryce stuff. No, no, you have to let Bryce you know run a play and then let guys respond to said play and then see where it happens. And what I see them doing sometimes is i mean they're very focused right on trying to get the right personnel in to run the right play and there are times i think where that gets them gets in the way um to be clear i mean we're not we we are in some ways picking nits but at the same time what we're what we're saying i think collectively here is that uh that on some level the offensive line issues that they they might be having now are in, at least in some way a product of some of the moving around that they clearly did because they were st- guys are still competing and they weren't sure you know who could do what how um, and how well and so they've been continuing to do with the offensive line what they've always done in other positions but offensive line isn't one of those positions and what I see is an offense that has these lulls where ultimately like they just like want Bryce to go do stuff and I would much rather them have some route concepts that seem to you know, make for easy throws. I mean, how, how often do you see, you know, routes dragging the field stuff across the quarterback's face? A lot of the stuff is to the outs and they, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of asking, you're asking your personnel to do things that if they had more experience and they had more time together, they probably could do, but until then they can't. And I just kind of, I watch this offense and think that like they're better than what they're throwing out there. And a lot of that is because of that, you know, that shuffling. We can't, we can't say definitively, right, that that the offensive line is 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 having significant problems because um, because of the competition that continue to go on. What we can say is it does. It seems it, it seems unlikely that it's a good thing for communication for dudes to be moving in and out. And didn't Broncos say something almost exactly that way Friday night? He's like, we, you know, we got to find the best five and and stick with them or something to that effect. I, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but. Yeah, it, it seems like to me that you, 
and, and I don't know if you can even do it right now because you don't have your your center or your, even your backup center, right? Um, I don't think that I don't think Rankins might be healthy. I'm not really sure Ryan Nelson is really healthy. I think a lot of these guys are playing hurt, but realistically, like they you're already putting them in a bad spot because they're just dudes moving around everywhere. You know, one series it's this guy, the next series it's that guy. And to Dave's point, like you kind of do need to know who you're playing next to, and and, and that matters. Um, now, I will say that this is a a program that is very much built around do your job, right? And so theoretically, everybody should just do their job. <sighs> Except the games aren't played theoretically. The games are played like literally, physically in person. You know what I'm saying? And like sometimes, like this idea that like, well, everybody should just do their job. Maybe you got to find the guys who routinely do their job and then live with their mistakes. Um, and, I mean, I don't envy um, people who are trying to evaluate offensive linemen and then develop them. I also don't think that Virginia's scheme is wrong. I don't think that they're, um, you know, there are gaping issues. I just think that with this bunch this year, given everything around them, the offense should be quick throws. They should, they should be, you know, more jet sweep action relying on – on speedier guys to at least give the defense something to chew on. Um, you can utilize Bryce in a different way without him being, you know, taking so many of these hits. Um, and so I feel like they've got to figure, and and I think this week it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, the entire game is predicated on it, right? Their, their success in South Bend is going to come down to, you know, whether or not they're able to do that. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't want to sound like this is a, like, we're, I don't want to make it sound like we're talking about an 0-4 Virginia team. That's why they haven't won, right? Like, they figured out a way. It's just now we're talking about a 4-0 team that has a chance to do what Virginia teams haven't done in a very long time. And the next two weeks, your competition, yeah, we've, yeah. Well, I guess we can say it'll ratchet up. I'm not sure if Miami's better than Pitt yet. Well, the season will tell, but it's at Miami on a Friday night after, you know, after a bye week, obviously. But there's two very tough games coming up. One that's hugely important to the coastal race. Um, and Virginia can very well turn it around. Um, cause I don't think the offensive line is that far off. I think there's pieces. It's just a matter of figuring out how to put them together. Um, I'm not going to single out players, but you know, there, there's a five there. I think you can make work if you give them time to, to figure it out. Um, and it's like, I agree with me. I think there's some things you could do offensively to help them, but also I think like against a team like ODU, like you're probably not scheming that for the week. Like you, you expect to come out and at least be able to block these guys and run the ball. Like at, we're four games in and we haven't had a dominant run performance um, until we get like to the ten yard line. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I can't remember who I, t- I can't remember if I, who I was talking to about that. But like once we get to the ten yard line, yeah. all of a sudden we can run for ten yards of play. So, but that might speak to what you were saying about like having confidence in the scheme. Maybe it's like in those plays, it's like everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, Wayne's got like what three carries from the ten yard in. He's he's scored on every one of them. So, and um, honestly, that was a thing with Ellis too. I, I mean, I I feel like that happened oh, yeah, a lot where he would have eight yard yeah. touchdown runs because they would just you know he would just get a you know wide open lane into the goal into the end zone, but. Between yeah, the twenties, so, it's not. But good. that's usually when they're in their big package, you know, and they've got that extra blocker in there. Um, which I think, if you go back and watch when Brennan was in against William and Mary, and they were in that set, um, when they've got the ex, the two tight ends, like Virginia blocks really, really well with that set because it's more one on one. It's less communication. Well, what I find, um, hold on, Dave. What I find interesting about the two tight end thing is they. I don't feel like what they give up through the majority of the field is worth what they get out of it right like 
No, I agree. I agree. You know, and I, and I wonder if maybe it, something as simple as, all right, let's only go too tight in when we're in the red zone. Done. Right? Like, I feel like some if something that simple might not actually give them a, a, a big jolt. Because realistically, like, what you're seeing right now is an offense that, you know, at times just looks really strong and then at other times just sputters beyond belief. I mean, and this yeah, year but they're, they're struggling even more to 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 overcome any potential negative plays, more so even than last year, right? Where, you know, if they get one false yeah. start, man, that drive is done. You know, they're not coming back from that. Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, the two tight end thing can be solved. I think you can go to that lineup. I believe Tanner Cowley has the ability to, to line up with a hand down and then motion out and give you a, another receiver for short yardage plays too. So you're not, Hey, we're running it when we have this in. So I think there's some, there's a little flexibility there, but it, but it boils down to figuring out the offensive line, right? Getting Olu back is huge. Um, hopefully we'll get him back. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was, I, he was by far their most consistent lineman in terms of grades. And I, and I will say, I, I don't want, uh, you know, we, we, I use the, the pro football stuff as a, um, as a as a, a content driver clearly and something that um, I think gives us some context but like you know some of these grades for the, even for this week I'm like man I did not what I saw on film is not what yeah is in there and that's just you know that's fair but I just think that like you're right getting Olu back is a big step in the right direction I mean they might look markedly different when they come out of the bye the question is just getting there you know what I mean yeah and they, they did enough look they did enough to be two very you know I, I think Florida State's sneaky good uh, and and Pitt has proven to be a very good team, and Virginia went up there and won, regardless of first week or not. So the the offensive line has shown the ability at times to put it all together. Um, but I think for if your ultimate goal is to win the coastal and play the ACC title game, the offensive line not only has to do better so that you can get three yards on the ground when you need to get three yards on the ground, but Bryce Perkins need to have his, his uniform needs to be cleaner at the end of games, or yeah. he's not going to be available for twelve. Yeah, see, I don't think they've put it all together uh, at any point. I mean, maybe for no, like I, one play yeah. here and there, but like yeah. that, when like when are these run plays happening? Because yeah, I don't. No, see I, it. I didn't mean to imply they have put it together. I think there's been pieces where they've played together better. Than yeah, I mean, there's been seen. like plays here and there, but they, yeah, over the course, I mean, the running stats kind of speak for themselves. You know, it's just it's not. I mean, and we talked a lot about in the off season about uh, no disrespect to Jordan Ellis, who I believe is still on a practice squad in the NFL. But I mean, we thought maybe the diversity of running backs could end up being a good thing for UVA. I mean, the Jordan Ellis days, like, you know, we're going to be pining for those. If we have a few more, yeah, if we have to watch a few more of these run performances, because at least he was consistently putting up yards. Um, before we, we get to Notre Dame and everything, I, I do want to pose one more question, which is how much of what you saw Saturday night was ODU being prepared and on it, ed- you know, li- you know, aggressive and on edge versus Virginia just being flat because I think I, I, I think it's human for folks to to expect right that hey we're just going to go out there and do our thing um, but I wonder I, I mean I'm one of these people that thinks that Virginia gets a benefit from having woken up and flipped that switch but I'm I'm curious to me that needing to flip a switch is not a good look right I mean there were times in this game where Ferber looked at me he's like you know this, they're cooked um yeah, I mean, I there was a time where it was 17-14 where I told you. I said, I think if ODU scores another touchdown, I don't think UVA can come back at this point. And yeah. really, I kind of stand by that because no, I think the offense probably, really yeah. didn't wake up from yeah. that point. They yeah. just kind of took advantage of good field position the rest of the way. Right. 
I mean, that fourth down play by Old Dominion, I won't. I, I still don't understand. Yeah, I mean, that was a killer. Uh, and then, and then, obviously, like the drive after that, UVA's defense had another great stop. And then I think Billy Kemp fair caught a punt really close to the fifty, and they scored on. I think it was like two plays because they had the long pass interference, and then Joe Reed had that touchdown. So I mean, like it wasn't like oh the things are clicking now, you know it, that never really happened. It's just UVA's defense completely shut them down and flipped the game. For sure. But how much do you, I mean, Dave, what do you think? Was it more ODU playing well or just UVA playing cruddy? How much, where's that balance I mean, between those two things? Look, I think we've talked about the offense ad nausea, but um, defensively, if you look at the, the big plays, it, it was missed assignments and Broncos said as much. And it's pretty easy to see even as a, as a so the scramble touchdown ODU had, we had like three dudes there to tackle them. Um, one guy took out another guy and then we missed a tackle at the goal line, uh, on the, on the long touchdown pass on fourth down, I believe it was, um, was it, a, it was either third and long, it was like or third down. and eight or something like yeah. that, uh, where they hit their third string running back out of the backfield. That was a, com- that was, a, that was just a complete blown assignment yeah. and some terrible tackling afterwards. Yeah. There was, uh, you know, uh, again, there was a blown assignment and a missed tackle by a safety at the 20 yard line, which could have ended the play. Um, and that's basically all their points, you know, uh, the other one. So I mean, you have to give ODU credit too. I mean, they, they came to win. That's a team that had a lot of belief. And honestly, if you flip the, what happened in this game, it's the way the tech game played out. You know, if Virginia had scored 28 to start the game and then played like crap, but given up 17 would have been like, well, they just turned it off. So, I mean, you play 60 minutes for a reason. Virginia did enough in 60 minutes to win. Um, so I mean, if you want to be a pessimist, there's plenty to see there. If you want to be a ridiculous optimist, there's plenty of reason to do it. <laughs> to me, I think the game just highlighted that our defense is what we need to – is what's going to keep this team in games. And the offense has to do – the reason that they won this game is because the offense, even though they were sputtering and not doing well, they didn't create negative field position. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, a turnover in that game would probably have finished us. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought so it's, of, it's complimentary stuff. Yeah, exactly. And compliment, like the one thing I thought of was like, remember it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I feel like we had some of these, you know, margin of error, margin for error conversations last year. We're, we're back, we're back to having those conversations because defensively they, they, they're going to play well enough. Virginia's going to be in every game, um, with a chance to win if the offense can put it together. Drive to drive. Consistency is going to be an issue for this offense. I think they're going to have, high water marks and low you know they're gonna they're gonna have moments the question is how many negative moments do they have right um this is a group that has to cut down on the penalties they have to cut down you know on the the unforced errors they're not gonna because they're not gonna be able to just dominate people um i think there was you know a couple plays in a florida state game where they the they, couple times where they basically were like we're gonna run it they did and it was successful I'm not really sure what to make of the whole being able to score touchdowns from eight yards out versus being able to, you know, to run. I think one of the problems is, is that because they play so slow and they do, right. It's a, it's a Virginia um, because they do that because that's their style, right. There is this, there is this like anxiety that sort of comes with it when you're, when you run on first down and you only get two yards. Cause the last thing you need is a third and long, you know? And so I, I, I don't know how to fix that, but I do I do think that as I'm watching as I'm rewatching the game, the thing that really stood out to me was it was really different guys making different sorts of mistakes in different situations. It wasn't like there was it just didn't feel like much of a through line other than dudes just weren't sharp. 
Um, clearly that won't be a problem this weekend, but, um, because you know, that, that game will, will, uh, at least a part about, you know, being locked in for, let me ask, let me ask you the same question that I posed to Dave and then, uh, we'll, we'll head on to our break. But, um, do you feel like it was more ODU or more UVA? What was the, the sort of balance in your opinion? Well, you know, a wise man once told me that two things can be true at the same time. I've already made that um, whole thing in the pocket. You can't, you can't make the joke now. <laughs> no, I think that, I mean, I think that what you saw early from ODU, some of that was, you know, we talked about it while the game was playing out. It seemed like they were ready to play. You know, they came out and they've been thinking about that game for two weeks and they look like a team that was confident. And I think that went over tech last year. You know, I think that that probably gave them a little extra juice coming into this game and probably the game down there in Blacksburg this year as well. I mean, once you do it, and, and that you forget that Tech team was ranked 13th when they went down there and lost that game. So, I mean, they feel like they can play. And, and you know, they come in with a chip on their shoulder being an in-state non-powered five team. You know, like they're always going to... Th- that game is kind of their Super Bowl, the same as the one in Blacksburg, but... Um, I think that UVA definitely came out a little flat. I think that, and, and to Dave's point about the crowd, I think the crowd kind of, I don't know if they came out like tired. It was more like, let's just get through this, you know? Um, and there was a lot of like, you know, ODU goes down and gets a field goal and it's kind of like, okay, well that's fine. You know, UVA will come out and score here and then they'll control the game from there on out they go three and out with a big sack on third down. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, this, this could be a game. And then ODU goes down and scores. So I think that it was kind of, they were a little caught off guard, but I think I don't want to discredit ODU and say that that's how they made all their plays. Cause I think that they, they had a good scheme and eventually UVA was able to make adjustments. And, and once they started to get home on the blitzes, it was, it was a wrap because right. ODU couldn't figure out how to get the ball out and they really couldn't pass the ball very effectively. Uh, before we get get on to uh, get started, before we get on to Notre Dame, uh, let's take our break. The Cavs Corner Podcast again, brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Uh, you can check them out online at Second String Sports, second with a two dot com, um, or you can go check out their uh, um, brick and mortar store, twenty six twenty seven Stewart's Draft Highway in uh, uh, Waynesboro. Uh, if you have uh, any sort of um, sporting goods needs, if you play baseball, softball, football, soccer, Second String has the kind of gear that you. Uh, are looking for the newest bats and gloves uh, from DeMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton Rawlings, Wilson, Evo Shield. All of it is on the shelves today and ready to go with you um, to the field next time you head that way. Uh, if you got something from last season that you don't need anymore, you got a son or daughter, somebody who's you know going to be needing some other stuff, not going to be using this stuff, take it to Second String and they will give you a credit towards your next purchase. Our thanks again to Second String Sports for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. Okay, so. Top 20 matchup in South Bend. You two will be there. Sniffle, sigh, tear. Um, I, I guess I don't know any place else to start the discussion than talking about the elephant in the room, which is like it's Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. Um, and I know, look, I want to preface the entire next like half hour of your life, people who are listening to this from the future, like – we understand that a lot of y'all hate Notre Dame. Okay. We get it. Okay. But I'm sorry. Notre Dame kind of a big deal in college football. Um, until that is such a time that that changes. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to kind of deal with it. Um, I would say that this is a good Notre Dame team, not a great Notre Dame team. Um, the more I've researched them and watched them, the more I kind of feel like, um, it's not a team that I think Virginia can't upset. It's certainly a team that I don't expect the Cavaliers to upset. Spoiler alert. Um, as you guys have watched this for, we'll start with you. Cause 
Um, you're going to be on a plane soon, and you're going to be uh, in the booth for this one, uh, man in the uh, the Cavs corner flag. What's, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you made it seem like I'm calling the game. I know, right? You're going to be in the booth. Uh, you're going to be in the press box. There you go. Um, what, what stands out to you about this Notre Dame team, and, and, and where are the pressure points as far as UVA is concerned? Yeah, I mean, they're just talented. Uh, they're more talented than any other team UVA is going to play. No disrespect to Miami, who I think has a lot of talent, but probably not as well coalesced or coached. Uh, and Florida State has some talent in positions, but not all over the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that I've watched a decent amount of them this season. I mean, I watched the entire Louisville game. I've watched most of the Georgia game now and a little bit of the New Mexico game. And what I see is just a a very solid team that if I was betting, I probably would say they're not going to lose again or they might lose one more time uh, this season and that's it. Uh, Their quarterback is very, very solid. I wouldn't say he's elite. He's not the best quarterback that UVA fans have ever seen UVA play against by any stretch. Um, but he's probably, I'd say he's about considering the talent around him. He might not be purely as talented, but I would compare him to Ryan Finley, who they faced last year. Uh, just a a guy that, you know, he's going to move the chains. He's got big, big physical receivers. That's, that's a pressure point. Uh, Chase Claypool, who's, you know, a big physical wide receiver. That's going to be a great matchup for Bryce Hall, who quite frankly, I mean, he's, he's, he's still Bryce Hall, but he's been kind of picked on a little bit more than maybe we thought you know this season so uh that'll be interesting to see how that plays out and then they have a really good tight end who just came back against georgia and had a huge game their running game hasn't really gotten going but they're physical on both lines they have athletic guys at linebacker and in the secondary uh they look like a notre dame team to me and you know the the result against georgia is kind of one of those things like the odu game where you can look at it and pull a lot of different conclusions from it on the one hand, you know, they were kind of expected to get rolled and they lost by six and they were in the game until the last minute. But on the other hand, they were really down 13 for a big portion of that second half and kind of pulled off a little bit of a rally at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're not – if you wanted to do tiers of teams, you know, if Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, uh, I guess LSU is probably in that top tier, Oklahoma – and then the next tier down, I think that they're probably in that next tier down with the likes of Auburn and teams like that, maybe Wisconsin. Uh, I, like like you said, I think you hit it. They're not unbeatable. Uh, if it was in Charlottesville, I don't know if I would pick UVA, but I think that they would have a chance, like a better chance. Uh, going there will be tough, but, I mean, I don't know if it's the toughest place you could play. Uh, it, it's one of those games where I feel like, UVA should approach it with nothing to lose because, like Dave said earlier, it doesn't count in the conference standing. So the only thing you have to lose is Bryce. And so he needs to be protected no matter what. But I think that the rest of you know the rest of the game, if you want to throw caution to the wind, this is the game to do it. Go out and try to show that you belong. And I think this game for UVA is kind of what Georgia last week was for Notre Dame in the sense that you're not expected to win. You're on the road. The team you're playing is in a tier above you. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a lot to prove or can't show people that you belong or you should be taken seriously. So I think that's where this game is interesting for UVA. And and they might be overmatched at certain positions. But like you said, I think the defense is so good that if UVA can can play the way that they've been playing on defense for the most part, I think that they can stick around in the game. Yeah, that's fair. Dave, I feel like as um... – <laughs> As I've watched Ian Book over the years, he's the exact kind of quarterback that seems to give UVA problems in the sense that like he can move, but he's also primarily a passer. And I think back to like when 
when Kenny Pickett would have good moments in that pit game, it was when he was sort of scrambling around and still able to find dudes. Is is he the biggest question that Virginia has to answer for you, or is it more about the offense because you think the defense will will handle its business? Yeah, I think Justin hit on most of it, but the uh, the Ian Book's a really he's a really good quarterback. I don't know that we'll, we will see a quarterback as well rounded as him all year. Um, no, I mean he's the best quarterback on the schedule. Yeah, and and that's not to say he's in a NFL elite caliber quarterback. I don't know that he's not. I just haven't. I haven't seen it yet, but he's got a lot of pieces around him. He's got a big physical offensive line. He's got a good scheme that's that he's in. He, he's got receivers, um, and he has a tight end. So for me, I, I like the way. Yeah, I, their defense is good. I I don't know that their defense is astronomically better than what we'll see against Miami. Honestly, I don't know that talent wise, their defense is much better than Florida State, but they are scheme wise. Um, so I'm less worried. Yeah, about they're they're quite a bit ahead of Florida State scheme wise. Scheme wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So uh, try to be nice. Um, it was kind. He was but, trying. But what I what I don't know if they're about, better than UVA's defense though. I don't. I don't think they are. But I'm trying. I not mean, to like you can make. A, I think. I think they might have more like pure talent. Yeah. But but I think that UVA's defense is is probably in that ballpark. Yeah, I would agree. And I think UVA's defense, as we've seen, is definitely creates more negative plays than their defense does. Their defense kind of tackle, you know, gets pressure, tackle, wraps you up, you know. Um, but what they do offensively that concerns me is Ian Book is really good at at play action, and he's really good at hitting players up the seam. And when you're blitzing the A-gaps a lot to create havoc, that's going to be open. So guarding their tight end and their wide receivers on the little quick hits over the middle and we bring pressure, I think is probably going to tell the story of this game um, as far as how many points Notre Dame is able to score. So I'm interested to see how Virginia schemes that. I'm guessing you'll see a lot of fake blitzes this week to try to draw that throw in, rolling the safety down late to try to pick it off if they do throw behind it. So that's going to be an interesting chess match because I think Brian Kelly is a very good offensive mind. And you know, honestly, he doesn't run it. And just like Bronco doesn't run this defense, but they're, they're playing each other. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I think you guys hit it all. It, they're they're a really talented team that's playing well, but they're also a talented team that's coming off a very very big game on the road. Um, and Justin kind of stole my thunder because um, I was going to compare it to <laughs> them going to Georgia. Um, but what you saw Georgia do is I think what Virginia could maybe have in, have in their back pocket is Georgia got really conservative because they were expected to win that game. They didn't want to do anything to lose it. Um, so if that game, if we can keep that's it just close, SEC football, Dave. Yeah, it's just SEC football. Yeah. Run the dang ball. <laughs> so what, what I'm interested to see is if the game is close in the second half and Notre Dame's got a you know, fourth and one on, on our 35, do they go for it or do they kick the field goal and take the points and allow us to hang around? Um, so the more Virginia, to me, the more Virginia can do to honestly it'd be great to be in the lead going into the fourth quarter. But if Virginia's hanging around, I think the pressure shifts to the home team. Um, but given what we saw last week, like that means the offensive line's playing better. They're keeping Bryce upright, um, and the moment's not too big for him. That that's a big stage. I mean, um, look, I'm I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. Never have been. Um, usually root against them unless they're playing Miami or Virginia Tech. Um, <laughs> so, but like I've had this game. I've been planning on going to this game since they announced it. What seven or eight years ago now. Um, 
Oh, that's right. We were going to take a Winnebago at one point. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this trip forever because it just happened to fall on my 45th birthday year. Um, so, I mean, it's just a big deal to me. If you look at Virginia's, like when Virginia's ro- risen to the top, Notre Dame has been a part of their, like games with Notre Dame on the road have been a part of it. Virginia played Notre Dame the kickoff classic in 89, which preceded the year they were number one in the country. Um, it's Rock crazy that they've Mokans. only played twice. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Virginia did not almost win the first one. Like they <laughs> almost won the second one. I promise you that. Uh, my guess is we'll get into some more discussion. So let's do the picks now. Uh, Dave, in the preseason, you have Notre Dame winning this 31-27 with a 45% win probability for UVA. How do you feel this evening? I'm going to let it ride. I mean, I, th- I think I like that. Um, I think it's probably a little high on the scoring, but I, I never let it ride. So I'm going to let it ride. I-, I do think Virginia shows up and plays well, especially – they were going to be locked into this game already. I just think we have a prodful staff, and they're going to make sure they're locked in. Um, I'm going to be in the building. That That's good for at least seven points there. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean. You remember uh, that when they're down 24 nothing with like four yeah. minutes left in the game. Then I'll tell you, it would have been 31 nothing if I was at home. Yeah, okay. Um, so, that's funny. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think 31-27 is good. I, I noticed right before we started, Started talking. The spread's up to twelve and a half now, so money is money is on Notre Dame, um, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, was, I mean it makes yeah, so much sense team. because you, they're they're a national team. That's why the line is what it is. It'd probably be a little lower otherwise. And you have a lot of people that are like, "Hey, they almost beat Georgia. Like they're right, not bad, exactly. you know." And yep. it's like if you really look at that game, they could have easily lost by more. Uh, yep. Ferber so, in the preseason, you had. Uh, Notre Dame winning 31-14, 25% win probability for UVA. You do normally like to let it ride. Are you going to change it up? You guys got this all planned out? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm going to say 31-20. to 20. The reason I added 31-14 in the preseason because I, I figured um, my guess was that UVA would have a game. You know, we've had we've seen them have – each of the seasons, you know, like kind of stinkers on offense where it just like doesn't like the pit game last year would be a great example um, where it just like nothing works. And, you know, they, they don't the offense isn't like it's not Washington State. I mean, n- not to pick on them, but, um, you know, like they can just kind of roll out of bed and score 35 points. UVA's offense isn't like that. It hasn't been since I've been alive. <laughs> so uh, I think that. I think it'll be a little bit higher scoring. I think it'll be like 31 to 20. I think it'll be pretty competitive throughout, but I think Notre Dame will lead pretty much the entire game, and uh, except for maybe early. Uh, I, I think that normally, I mean, people might say like, wow, you think UVA's defense is going to allow 31. Part of that is I think the offense is going to make a few mistakes. And I think that, you know, if Notre Dame gets a short field here and there, they, they could score 31 points. Um, I think it'll be a pretty competitive game. The way that I see it playing out is UVA looks decent in spots and they move the ball like pretty consistently throughout the game, but Notre Dame eventually is just kind of too much for them, and you know they make a few more bigger big plays and, and maybe at some point in the second half they kind of pull away. But uh, the way that I see it playing out, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a jump off the bandwagon sort of moment for UVA fans. I think that you know if they go up there and, and play the way that I think that they're going to play, even if they lose by eleven points it's nothing to hold your, you know, like put your head down about. I think that, you know, Notre Dame's still a really good team that, like I said, might not lose again. 
in the preseason, I had it 27-21 Notre Dame, 49% chance win probably for UVA. I'm just going to change it slightly. I'm just going to say 30-21. to uh, 21. I just feel like um, Bronco mentioned the, the word I think he used was physical and grinding, right, in terms of their offense. I think ultimately it's just going to be the def- the offense. Virginia's offense isn't able to sustain drives, and the defense is just out there too long. And ultimately, the thing that Virginia usually does to people where they sort of lean on you and lean on you until you break, like I think that's what Notre Dame's going to do. I, I would not be surprised at all to see Virginia win this game. You know, the Cavaliers come out, maybe they get the ball first, they score. Um, it's it, it's certainly possible. I mean, it, I don't think it would be a huge, you know, earth-shattering upset if they were to win. I just don't – I just think if you're going to if you're gonna try to, try to you know, pick it and you're going to try to um, – you know, prognosticate the way it goes. Uh, I, I just think that it's hard to see Virginia as the team more likely to win. Um, Talent-wise, I mean, look, Notre Dame's pretty good. Um, and I think probably pound for pound, the most talented team Virginia will see this season. Um, and that's, you know, understanding that both Miami and, and Florida State, while talented, are also flawed in, you know, a myriad of ways. Um, I, I don't know what my headline will be other than um, – you know, I'm sure somebody will, will go off on the ACC now being 0 for 21 um, against ranked Notre Dame teams on the road. Um, but my guess would be something about, you know, Book has a big game and um, he's just able to uh, – that, that they're just able to make more plays. Um, do you guys care – you want to give your headlines for, for this one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be like the greatest inspiration since Rudy was in the stadium, but Virginia couldn't pull it off. Um, <laughs> no, I, I will say – yeah, Virginia hangs close, but it just can't get it done. What about you, Ferber? I'm going to say Irish Sack Cavaliers. Wow. I think uh, I think Bryce probably gets taken down a few times. Um, if the offensive line doesn't play better than they have, it's going to be a long day. Like, there's no way around that. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm not trying to throw any shade or anything, but, you know, they have to play better if UVA is going to win this game. And if they play the way that they have been playing, then it won't be close. It's going to be a fun podcast if the next one we do is five and zero with a five. <laughs> I mean, if they do go up and win, then then you can really like. I mean, obviously they would have a lot in front of them, but that would legitimize them. I mean, a lot of people would just say like, "Oh, Notre Dame's not as good as everybody thought they were." Um, but, but does it though? But does it if they if they beat Notre Dame and then go lose to Miami? Well, no, I'm just saying yeah, for the, the for the week at for the, hand for the week, you know, yeah, yeah, or two weeks, I guess, because they don't play the week after, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, you have to think, I mean, uh, just try not to look ahead too much, but think about where UVA would probably be ranked if they won that game, like 12, 13, you know, like that's, which is pretty crazy (laughs) if you think about it and then you look at what they have left and they'd probably be favored in every game, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I can't remember. I looked it up, but, um, and the times Virginia's been four zero in the last thirty or forty years, um, which isn't that many. This is the second lowest ranking they've had as a four zero team. Um, we're tied for the second. There's a one lower, um, but five and zero. They've always been like top ten, top twelve. I mean, so yeah. I mean, and they probably would be if they won. <sighs> oh well, you Euphoria. Guys, you guys are now in. <laughs> you now. You guys are now. Um, you are. Uh, your mission is to go to South Bend and uh, and come back so that we can have an, an even more interesting podcast next week um, <laughs> than uh, than if they lose and they're four and one. Um, if I see anybody from Emporia, I'll tell them you said <laughs> hi. 
you better be careful, man. People, people, we, as we've learned, every, the, everybody listens to the podcast. That it, it, it gets everybody. out there. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that programs are distributed via podcast or what have you, um, wherever you can find us, just do that. Um, if you are somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website, check us out at capscorner.com right now. You, let's see. I got a Monday column, which is a little pointed as I look back on it. Um, three, two, one, following the presser. Ferber's got uh, his uh, five will be watching on Notre Dame. Um, as you listen to this, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, the pro football focus grade should be on the website. Um, I should have a feature on Bryce Perkins on the website. Um, so eventually there will be links and things that don't exist. Um, and then obviously Matt's got his odds and ends later in the week. And at some point I'm sure Ferber will send a preview probably when he's like over some sort of lake. I don't know. Are there any lakes between here and, uh, Chicago? Probably not. Okay, fine. Um, Anyway, he'll be in the air, I'm sure. Or maybe not. Maybe he'll send it tomorrow. I don't care. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll get all that covered for you before the game on Saturday afternoon. So give us a look at the site. Uh, remember, if you haven't already checked it out, anything you need, uh, whether it's UVA gear or otherwise, check that Fanatics link in the podcast app of choice or in the content item for this show. Um, whatever you purchase using that link helps to go um, helps to support the site. We very much appreciate it. I want to say thank you to Thor and Wealth and um, Second String Sports for their support of this show in the uh, website you can check out thorium wealth at thoriumwealth.com and second string sports second string sports with a two um i want to thank dave and ferber for giving graciously of their time as always and thank them for whatever hijinks they're about to get into um no i will not bail you out um but i will send text messages asking how you are because that's the kind of friend i am for david spence and justin ferber and brad franklin publisher of cavscore.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon <laughs>